0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Dugba. and the season is back underway in Norway and Sweden. Um, so, Jonathan, how's things with you? Have you enjoyed the first couple of rounds up there in the Altsvenskan?
1: Hi, Steve, and hi, everybody. As always, welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. Thank you to everyone tuning in and to those of you who listen to our epic season previews and they were indeed epic weren't they uh, hours worth of juicy content there and I hope, I hope you enjoyed it and if you haven't listened to them yet please do because it's uh every single team in the league reviewed but yeah i'm doing well it wasn't too long ago that we we spoke was it so uh, we're back to review the first few rounds and we've also got a special guest interview today so yeah i'm doing well
0: yeah i mean it was uh they were absolutely mammoth episodes after the um two of the best episodes i think we've, we've ever done um, but two, also two of the longest, and uh, this is not going to be anything quite like that. We've, um, we're just going to sort of uh, take a review over the first uh, couple of rounds in, um, i say, in the Elite uh, and uh, Ars and also a an interview, a special interview that you've done uh, in this episode, uh, Jonathan, if you want to tell the listeners briefly about that.
1: Yeah, so today on the show, um, you know, we like to have diverse voices on this podcast, and i um, happy to be bringing you a special guest interview with Brian Klarhout. Now he's the manager of Umea FC in the north of Sweden, very north. Um, and he's an American manager and he is on the show later to talk to us about the first weekend in Super Retin, which just began as well, of course, as well as Svenskan, uh, the second division of Sweden. We talk about players to watch. We talk about, um, you know, what it's like coaching, being an American manager in Sweden and just his general background. And we've got some really interesting insights. So. Stay tuned for that later in the show. I think you will enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And um, so we're going to have to talk about the um, well the first uh, couple of rounds there in in Sweden. and, and uh, I mean, what what are the standout results so far for you, Jonathan? The two big ones that really uh, stick out.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've had the first two rounds now. It's going to be one of those years, isn't it, Steve? Where you're not going to have much rest. That's definitely. Um, you know, only a week ago, we we're already about to hit round three. So I think like any other league that's catching up, playing catch up, there's going to be games every couple of days. That has an impact. There's going to be injuries, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but there's been some big results. I mean, just looking at the table, only one team after two rounds has a 100% record. And that is North shopping. Now, they were my tip last season to win the league. Didn't quite happen. But uh, who knows? Maybe i got the years mixed up because um, they've had a fantastic start to the season. And i'll tell you one thing steve i am absolutely i couldn't quite believe it. i didn't see the game but uh, i tuned into live score uh, about half an hour into the match just to check what the scores were around sweden and lo and behold i had to rub my eyes to make sure it was actually happening this was aik nil Shopping 4 after 36 minutes uh, norshopping went on to win 4-1 and a fantastic statistic from that game is A.I.K. conceded as many goals in that 36 minutes as they did in 25% of the entire of the season they won the league. Uh, Only conceded 16, of course. I'll let you do the math there. But uh, unbelievable collapse from A.I.K., which is very rare for them. And yeah, so um, that was a big result for me, really.
0: Yeah, I was um, looking at, uh, I actually watched a bit of Norshap in Kalmar. Uh, just four home wins so far, by the way, in the two um, Swedish rounds and no home wins in the Elite yet. So maybe there's something in this uh, lack of home advantage um, with the uh, behind closed doors. But, um, you know, Norshipping, uh didn't seem to affect them at all. They dominated Kalmar, really. It should have been more than 2-1. And then that 4-0 certainly stands out as as very impressive. Uh, they've come out of the blocks uh, firing. I suppose at the other end of the spectrum, Helsingborg, uh, two shocking results for them. 3-0 and 4-0 defeats against... Uh, Warburg uh, boys and uh, Kalmar, uh, a horrible start for Helsingborg. You you actually saying you um had were optimistic for them this year and uh, it's early days but uh, not very really good there? I mean, what's gone wrong for Helsingborg?
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this, I guess, in, in a minute if there's a follow up question. But I think if someone had told me that 24 hours after doing my season prediction, Helsingborg would be signing mixed disc rude, um. And if you told me that, you know, Armin which was going to leave the Auschwitz game potentially and be replaced by Mixed route, I would completely change my season predictions. There's no way I would have had him that high. I think probably I'm shocked at the results. I think it's unbelievable. They've lost both games, uh, conceded seven goals, an absolutely monumental collapse against Kalmar, uh, losing 4-0. At halftime of the game, Andreas Grangfist on, on uh, the live TV feed came out and was like, uh, this is completely unacceptable, and that's at half-time, let alone post-match, when they were 2-0 down. And he basically said, um, we've been humiliated. He said, if we can't if we can't learn how to run, then we're not going to achieve anything. Basically, he his own teammates at half-time, publicly. So that, that tells you a little bit about the mood. They, they've got a lot of injuries, to be honest. Um, a lot of injuries in midfield. They only had one fit midfielder, really. And the likes of Abu have have had an injury. Uh, Granqvist missed the first game, that kind of thing. They've, they've been missing some players. But um, still, to lose 3-0 at home to Warburg and, and 4-0 at Kalmar, two teams that you'd expect to be maybe in the lower end of the table, is, is, is quite shocking. And um, yes, yeah, not, not a great start at all for Helsing. Well, Maybe I've over, overestimated their, their sort of young talents, um, because clearly, at the moment, it's not quite gelling with the, with the injuries they have.
0: I, I do think there's a case to be said that some teams just haven't come out of the traps very well, though. They just don't look physically right. And they might need a few games to sort of get going. Um, I mean, there was a lot of uh, optimism and a lot of big talk about mixed Diskerud uh, signing for Helsingborg, but um, that doesn't seem to have worked out so far. Um, I've got to say, personally, I, I don't. I've never really thought much of that player. Um, but um, you know, it seemed like there was optimism, but not a great start for him personally either.
1: Well, no. I mean, on, on the positive side, Kalmar looked, looked fantastic, and Niels Froling is going to be a, a big player this year. I think for them, uh, he got two goals, and you know, I really like him as a player. I think he's going to go on to bigger things fairly soon. Um, even in the North Shopping game when they lost to uh, North Shopping two one, I thought there was glimpses. Obviously, I mentioned in the preseason show he turned down North Shopping, um, so that was the personal game for him. Maybe um, North Shopping came out victors, but I thought he played well. Um, but yeah, on on Nick's disapproval, I'll be honest. I, probably agree with you there, Steve. And uh, there was some fanfare about him signing, but that fanfare was absolutely demolished within about 36 30 hours because um, he missed the first game, of course, as um, he only just joined. Um, and he came out and put out a tweet, you know, basically making light of it. You know, he thought it was a joke, made it sort of a joke about them losing 3-0 at home to VAR, but boys, a team, don't forget, who've never been in the Osvenson game, um, didn't go down well with Helsingborg fans who, I might remind you, once ran onto the pitch to attack their own player Jordan Larson when they've got relegated. Not the sort of team that really uh, takes light at them their, their misfortunes. Not a team that you want to take on necessarily, and you know be critical of, uh, be be perceived as being jokey about the club. And yeah, it was deemed unacceptable. The fans were absolutely fuming about his tweet, um, trying to make jokes about them losing three nil. Even the man, uh, the club chairman who just signed him a few days ago, described it as completely unacceptable tweet. Uh, he said you know after we worked so hard to sign him you know we feel completely distressed and he said i don't know him well enough to understand why he would send such a tweet but it's not okay if this was an attempt to be funny my uh, Helsingborg's chairman to be honest you know a new player so not a great start to life in helsing uh, in scanner for mixed disc Guru down south in uh, at helsingborg and yeah just as a player in general i'm, I'm not a massive fan there's there's a lot of rumors that they're breaking the bank to to afford his wages during obviously a period of coronavirus I can't really get my head around, around that deal if I'm honest um I don't think he's necessarily uh, the player that many people think he is so uh, yeah that's uh, not a great start for mixed screw at his new club so
0: I'll just go briefly through some results um the champions and started with a win against Sirius but then lost at home to uh, Orobra, a fantastic win uh, there for them in uh, stockholm uh malmo uh, beat melby two 0 Christiansen got two really good goals in that game i watched that he's a quality player for them isn't he um but then uh dropped uh, to a one or draw against hacken so uh, four points for Malmo on the board hammerby also have four points uh beat Östersunds, but um fell to a late equaliser against uh, Elfsborg. actually two or draw there so mixed sort of results for the the big teams there in the um in the title race but um for the most part i mean malmo there um christian's in, he's a huge player for them isn't
1: he He is. he's certainly top five players in the league i'd say um you know just a solid player um malmo of course because he did the last uh, late goal against hacken so they didn't um make it six points out of six so yonder thomason there maybe not the best well four points is an okay start but uh they would have wanted to get the edge on your garden, who dropped points obviously losing um, at home to Odebro. So, yeah, we're, we're up and running really. It's it's looking, you know, the table's starting to maybe just take now a little bit of shape. No shopping, Hammerby, Malmo, uh, top three. Been pretty impressed with Elfsborg as well. I know we don't talk about them much, but, uh, you know, got a win at EFK Jotterborg. First time they've beaten them in many, many years away from home. Uh, they're local sort of rivals. And then followed that up. Uh, so, you know, they're looking okay they followed that with a one or draw uh, sorry two two draw uh, with hammerby so they're looking okay as well i think that's you know pretty pretty tough start for them and they've, they've come out of it fairly well um but yeah we've had some some shocks haven't we audible winning at your, your garden first time they've won in stockholm for uh i believe 15 or so years and you know sirius have beaten uh ostersons away Falkenberg have had a good start as well so yes yeah, it's, um it's been an interesting start to the campaign for sure
0: Per, uh, per Frick with a couple of goals for Elsborg uh, catching the eye in the early stages of the season. Just just four home wins, Jonathan, so far. I mean, uh, how have you found it uh, with the stadiums completely empty there in Sweden? I think, I mean, I'm comparing Norway to Sweden. Obviously, in Norway, there have been 200 fans in there. But it's just the stadiums in Sweden are so um, much bigger, I feel. that um, Did they feel like really eerie and sort of ghost-like from the highlights that I saw? what do you, what have you made of it
1: yeah well those those four winners were kalmar uh, malmo Hammerby and nor shopping so fairly big clubs actually i uh, don't know how that impacts them but, you know uh, but then again of course the opponents they faced maybe on those days as well were they would be expected to win obviously um Norshope beating kalmar Hammerby beating Ostersund, malmo beating mialby and then kalmar destroying uh, helsingborg I caught the in Kalmar game um, where they won 2-1. Two, two it was a very weird atmosphere. Just, you know, no fans. Eh? there. It, it felt a bit strange. Um, not as strange as Hammond B. Ossesons, I have to say. I, I watched that game as well. And all you could hear was um, Ian Bertrand and his coaching staff sort of shouting away in English at Charlie Colquitt to, to sort of um, tactical instructions. So it was uh, it was fun from that point of view. You could clearly hear sort of, you know, tactical instructions in Swedish and English, but well, obviously my, my Swedish isn't fantastic to hear Stefan Bilborn's instructions, but um, I enjoyed that part of it. But yeah, because Hammerby have such a big stadium, it really felt quite eerie in, in a way. Uh, I must say, I'm not a fan of the Premier League sort of fake crowd noise. Oh, but, that's awful. Yeah, I prefer the empty, I prefer just the reality of the situation and the hearing the empty stadium. Um, but it is strange in the games where they are, you know, really big stadiums that you just feel like and just just missing something isn't it? it's just missing you know it's just missing that bit of flavor if it's a you know if it's a nigerian dish you're missing a bit of pepper <laughs> soup or you're missing a bit of you know jello fries you're just missing some plantain it's not right without fans and um you know hopefully one day soon fans will return but I, I you know we'll talk about norway later but i did see some fans in norway you can't you can't you can't tell me there was no fans in the games i saw <laughs> uh, live on euro sport what, what was that about
0: yeah, I, think I was watching um, Highlights of Starbeck and uh, I can't remember what, I think it was the Kinoshita, the strike, and you've got one of the managers basically yelling out, take him on, take him on, take him on. You've got him, you've got him. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to, 200 fans have been allowed into the stadiums. Um, this was agreed, I think, last week. And, um, you know, the idea was you, they got these fans go into a ballot and they're going to be social distancing, et cetera. I mean, in a, in a couple of grounds, it, it looked like half the bloody towns were invited. Like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> you ain't telling me there's only 200 in, in some of these stadiums. But I'll tell you what, some of the some of the guys were making a real racket. And um, it, it makes a big difference. 200 makes more of a difference than you think, actually. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it certainly adds for a better atmosphere uh, or whatever, how many managed to sneak in there. I mean, for I think there's a bloody hotel um that uh overlooks the stadium i mean it was rammed and everyone looking in um you know at the match so yeah they've kind of done quite well for themselves over there and uh yeah it's been the atmosphere i think definitely was a lot better than the swedish games uh just that little bit of you know 200 more makes a big difference
1: yeah i think i think uh, i agree with you hopefully we'll be in a situation where, you know we've talked about the public health response been very different responses in sweden and norway so they're almost not really comparable are they in terms of um you know when when we get the reactions so they're gonna they're gonna be at different time scales and we're gonna have different results from that um but yeah it was it was nice seeing fans in the stadium at, at uh, in norway obviously but i've been following the faroe islands a lot they've got fans in the stadiums all the time now um but sweden it will it will take a, a lot longer for that to come back i think
0: yeah i definitely think so so um you know two rounds um got in in sweden and uh we look forward to to the next round uh, of games there there's uh we a look now at some big ones the big one is hammerby uh, IE core so um how do you think that one's going to go just before we move on to norway
1: well a massive game obviously you know we just said there's going to be no fans so i wonder the first big stockholm derby i wonder how that's going to be impacted in in the sense of will fans turn up uh, we saw order for example they had some fans definitely waiting for the team bus. Uh, we put out a tweet with a lot of fans with flares um, celebrating their win against your uh, Garden. So you can't tell me that there's definitely some fans congregating somewhere at some point. Uh, and so for such a big game, have or you call, you can't tell me there's going to be no fans congregating, but but we'll see whether that's in bars or outside the ground. Um, a lot of pressure will be on AFK hey, now. And we've had some tweets saying, you know, they're quite gnawing out and stuff like that. So, um, That capitulation against Northampton is is, it's rare for or you call to lose games like that. To be honest, Um, so defensively solid in in the past sort of two three seasons, a a real capitulation. I know they've had some injuries. Um, Robin T. who you know in the opening game he was fantastic, a a young teenage centre back who we talked about. He got a goal um, in the win at Alderbro, a nice header from a corner. Uh, I've got high hopes for him in the future. But yeah, they they this new system they're trying to play. You know, there's a lot of talks about this new AIK, this new exciting um, enterprising team looking to play more fancy f- fancy football. Um, there's been talks of a 3-4-3 type system where they play kind of a Gasparini, Atalanta-style football. They got absolutely taken apart by North Shopping. North Shopping, you know, like I say, i I'll go back to it. You know, I, I like North Shopping last, last year. Um, and the reason I like them is because they, they have got good players and they have got a good manager and they have got very sort of a, a nice style of play a nice system in place um, they were probably missing one or two things and had a really bad start this year they've had a good start so um, you know we'll see how they can go from there but Hammerby yeah it was I, I didn't see the, the second game I'll be honest against Elfsborg, I haven't seen that yet so I can't really comment uh, on that game but I you know the first game against Ostersunds they were just kind of back to their normal really um, Ostersunds made a decent fist of it but uh, the class of you know Tankovic, Bojanic, those kind of players, Kakenic, Lich. They got a lot about them, and um, Aik are going to certainly need to be more tight to get anything from that from that game.
0: Elfsborg, uh, no comment uh, as per usual. So
1: um... <laughs> <laughs> they've been good actually. They've had to phrase them. They've been good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's um, all we're going to talk about for the first couple of rounds in Sweden. But we're now moving on to an interview. Uh, uh, Super an interview, Jonathan, so if you want to introduce that.
1: Yeah, this is, um, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the Super Eth The first round of games has taken place. Uh, don't forget Giff Sundsvall. They were the team who played this team, O'Meya on the opening day. Um, 3-1 win for Giff Sundsvall. They're looking to get back into the league this season. And uh, Brian has a lot of things to say about Sundsvall, the, the, Omeya, you know, his move to Umea, and, uh, and a lot more. So I suppose we'll talk about Norway after the break, but for now uh, enjoy this interview with Brian Klarhout and get to know a little bit more about uh, the lower leagues of Sweden. Joining us now on the Nordic Football Podcast, I'm delighted to say we are joined by Brian Klarhout. Uh, Brian is the manager of Umea FC in the Super Etten uh, and he is here to talk to us about the new season in the Super Etten. Brian, uh, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great Jonathan, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure.
1: No problem at all, and, and thank you, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, really good to get some perspectives from the Superettan on the show. Season just started for those who aren't aware. Uh, this week, as well as the Allsvenskan, and yeah, it's a new new campaign, and we're we're ready to go for it. So, um, first place to start, obviously, congratulations on on the role. Um, your opening game was against GIF Sundsvall, who were just newly um, relegated, so it was newly promoted against newly relegated. Uh, how was the game? What was your perspective on it? We'll start there. You know, how was it?
2: Yeah, I was was really pleased with uh, our performance. We went up early, uh, 1-0 in the 35th minute. um, And you could feel that that first goal was coming. Uh, Five minutes after the first goal, we got rid of a little bit of a – we fell asleep and uh, they scored two goals in in one and a half minutes. uh, That's a little bit disappointing, but I think overall we showed intensity. We showed aggression. Showed the type of football that we wanted to play. Outshot the opponent twenty-two to five. Um, now it's just about continuing the process, learning from those mistakes to uh, to move forward. But I was I was extremely pleased, minus uh, that ninety-second uh, hiccup that we had.
1: Yeah, it was a th- three-one victory for Gissonsville, which you know, in fairness, is like you say, it sounds like you, you, you're pleased with the result, um, in terms of the performance, and there's some positives to take from it for sure. Uh, I imagine that Gissonsville will be one of the favourites probably to get promoted this season. Um, would you agree with that? Having seen them at close quarters, obviously they've lost a lot of players. We talked about a fair amount last season. Well, uh, always been a good team to watch. Know, what do you think? Uh, Pontus Engblom
2: um, is a difference maker. You know, he's coming sure. in there from. From Norway, and uh, he hit us uh, pretty effectively. So they have guys that don't need too many opportunities uh, that can make a difference, right? I, like I said, five shots on goal, uh, three of them went in, and he was uh, involved in. He had two of those. So yeah, they have uh, big-time players that can make a difference, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how far, how their season ends up uh, in November, December.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, for for Umea as well, it's a first season in the Superettan since 2012. Uh, the club was founded in the 80s, and um, so you know, it's a fantastic occasion. Obviously, last season um, winning promotion. Uh, you're new to the role yourself. Tell us about how the opportunity came about because you were formerly at uh, Nye shopping um, before in the same same division, I believe. Um, tell us about how the role came for Umea and how, how did the move transpire.
2: Yeah, prior to uh, you know the 2020 season, Emu um, had interested me in 2019. Uh, they offered me the job uh, after the uh, or for the 2019 season. I was still under contract, and I decided not to go. Um, once they got promoted, we stayed in touch, and that's how it kind of they they continued their interest in me. And we it was right after they won the promotion in Frey. We decided that that this was going to work out and happen. Um, I've had quite a few players from New Shopping that have been uh, in EMU, and I'm sure that had some influence with the board, with Danny Parson, uh, the sporting director. Um, and that, that's kind of how it went about. You know, they, they've tracked me a bit. I've heard good things from my former players. They had a great season last season that kind of came together um, right after this past winter.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic, and, and like I say, congratulations on the role. What, what excites you about, about the job? Um, funnily enough, I've actually been to Umea, and it's a, a beautiful city. It's got a really nice university as well. Uh, I really enjoyed my time there, but it is quite far from Stockholm, isn't it? You have to get a flight, or, well, I did anyway. Um, what attracted you to that role in particular? You know, What are you excited about, about the role? Tell, tell us about the club in general for those who, who maybe don't know much about the club, the history, that kind of thing. Um, you know, What appealed to you, the squad you've got, all that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, it's a fantastic town, first and foremost. Um, you know, uh, right now it's hard for me to sleep because it's 24 hours of uh, sunlight up here. <laughs> oh, wow. So I have to, I've, I've, I've had to go to Ikea and get those blackout shades um, <laughs> in, in, for my bedroom. But um, no, it's a, it's a club that's been in Allsvenska Super Etten, in and out. Um, went to Division One. It's a highly organized club. Last year, Danny Person uh, took over in the sporting role as sporting director, and his first year in that role they went directly up and he was uh, one of the main figures that were interested in me uh, former he was a former player at the club forward um was with them well last time they were in super ethan and i think that comfort level with him you know a younger sporting director ambitious has a heart for the club uh, modern like the football that i played in New shopping like the football that I played in the Svenska Cup when we beat Sundsvall a few years ago and last season and the showing so I really appreciated that they had um, that they had interest but the interest for the right reasons I think it was a footballing uh, interest of, of how they wanted to play and uh, that appealed to me uh, greatly.
1: That's fantastic, yeah, and it sounds like. Um... Well, you're definitely in the right place to go to Ikea in Sweden, I think, so uh, there's no doubt about that, but um, <laughs> I'm glad you've been able to get a little bit of sleep at least, um, which is great to know. I mean, you, you're a young manager, uh, 34 I believe, uh, how did you get into coaching You know, to begin with your career? Just tell us about your own uh, personal background, um, obviously you're an American coach, um, how did you end up in Sweden, so, so to speak?
2: Yeah, I was coaching, uh, I, I've, I've had... Probably 10 to 11 years of of coaching full-time in the U.S. system. I was in uh, University of Connecticut at a young age. I was 24, which is one of the premier college uh, university teams where there's a lot of pressure on you to win, and I was in in a high-level environment there working for a great head coach, great staff, great players, probably, I think, the whole starting lineup that year in 2011, went into the MLS directly. Um, and then after that, I took another gig as a first assistant uh, at Temple University. At Temple University, one of my roles was to recruit players there. So I was traveling to Sweden, to Germany, to Africa, to Senegal, um, no. to recruit to recruit players. During those journeys, I met a guy, John Wall, who was cause uh, under-19s coach uh i like this philosophy on the game we hit it off uh right away and a few years later as i kept going to sweden uh he became the coach at new shopping um and uh i was in between jobs 2016 i believe and he asked if i wanted to come over i was just going to come over for a few months um just to check it out and study Swedish football until I uh, went back to the US on the next uh, on the next coaching job but I ended up staying working as an assistant for him and then eventually uh, took over the, the manager job at new shoppings best so that's kind of that's kind of how it worked and uh, from there you know I stayed there for three to four years and now I do yeah
1: yeah and you had a good record at, at Nye shopping as well which I'm sure has stood you in good stead for your current role Um how did you find it at, at Nye shopping you know how was your development there and um one thing I wanted to ask is you know your your general coaching philosophy you know what uh, from what I can tell from the game against Gibson's I may be wrong but it I, I believe you played in a was it three five two formation um what is your tactical philosophy i guess what, what what i you know tell us about your own beliefs in football the style you like to play how you did at north shopping at uh, shopping sorry that kind of thing
2: yeah, I think it was it was a great experience at New shopping. You know, you worked with um, a lot of good players, players that have had experience in all Svenska. Maybe they weren't ready for that. They were younger. They got their shot, and then they needed to restart in uh, in senior football. It was challenging. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. We did well um, in Svenska Cupen. Uh, t- Twice, um, played uh, we played Svenska. I think in 2018 we had a victory over them. Last year uh, we were in Svenska Cup playing guys. Um, who else did we play? It was guys. Uh, it, we had a we had a good show in Orbro we beat Orebro in the cup, so that it was a, it was a really good platform, and, and I was able to work with a lot of good players and be challenged and to and adapt my ideas and more so grow. As a coach, um, I think from a tactical standpoint, um, yeah, I've started out this season three five two. I ended last season in a three five two, um, but it's not about formation. It's more about you know, formation is about a num. It's a numbers game to me. Hmm. I, I hope with this group at Emile, you know, we can go three five two, and we see something in the twenty fifth minute. Okay, we can change right into a four two three one or four-four-two 4 2 diamond um, I think that's what really good teams can do at the highest level. They can adapt that for 10 minutes. They can go into a different formation in 10 minutes. Um, my teams generally have a lot of possession. They're aggressive in the press. Um, they like to go forward. They like to shift the opponent. And I think it's modern football. I strive myself on uh, trying to get better each day, try trying to develop tactically each day and there's been a lot of work and a lot of hours put into that daily um, t- to think of those, to think of that from a philosophy standpoint and to implement that in training.
1: Yes, yeah, fantastic and uh, like you say, it's quite modern isn't it? Quite a modern approach as well to have tactically adaptable players. Um, we'll come on to that in a minute because I do have a question on, around that and kind of super SM players maybe that I've uh, caught your eye, that kind of thing. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, though, first is, you know, you as a coach, you mentioned that you you moved over, you you met a, a coach who sort of uh, helped you make that transition to Sweden. Um, is there a bit of an American community of, of, of footballers in Sweden? Because there is, there does seem to be some kind of link uh, to a certain extent. Um, just players like Romain Gore, for example, who was at GIF and. Then went to Malmo, and obviously has now been loaned to the Eliteserien. But uh, uh, Brendan Heinz-Eich is another player I can think of off the top of my head who was at Ordebro. Um There do seem to be some sort of uh, Americans who pop up every every now and then. Is there a kind of community of football, uh, you know football pe- people involved in football in Sweden? Are you part of that, or is it kind of um, is there much awareness of you know Swedish football, for example, Scandinavian football in, in the states? That kind of thing.
2: Um, well, I was responsible for bringing Romain Gall here. Oh, wow. He played for me. He played for me uh, at New Shipping. So I was directly involved in that. Um, I think guys my age that played, uh, you know, Charlie Davies, uh, Alejandra Bedoya uh, when they came over. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Brandon Heinzike, he's a guy that we played against uh, at University of South Florida. So um, all the American guys kind of know each other. I think it's a good uh, platform into Europe for certain guys, especially that was the conversation we had with Romain when we did bring him to New Um Other guys that we brought over from the U.S. system, uh, Carlos Morris Gracia, um, yep. a player I recruited out of Valencia in Spain. He played for me at Temple University. And then uh, we, we had contact with Soonsball after we sent Romain Gal there, and he had a pretty good career. Soon as well, so I think it's uh, football in general, the networking, um, but yeah, there's, uh, you obviously know the American players, the American players know me, that are over here, and uh, there, is some, uh, there is some sort of uh, bond that way, for sure.
1: Do you think there's a, um, an advantage to that? Is there, is there a particular reason? Because obviously there are the you know, work permit rules, for example, in England, prevent, pre- probably prevent that to a certain degree. Um, we've seen in Germany... Um, there's a kind of a link between MLS and, and maybe the Bundesliga to a certain extent. Do, do you see a reason for that in, in, in Scandinavian football? Is there uh, an advantage to it, like you say? Is there some sort of scheme that makes it slightly easier, work permit rules, something like that? Or, um, you know, what are the advantages from your point of view on that and what's your perspective on that?
2: Yeah, I think you touch base on it. I think it's the work permit situation. So um, it's it's easier for American players to get a work permit over here as opposed to going to the UK. Um and that, that's why we, we see um, a lot of internationals, right? whether it's Africa or America. Um, it's, it's a good platform to sure. establish yourself in European football. Um, and that's why we're seeing uh, a lot of uh, younger Americans in, in Bundesliga right now, as opposed to uh, going into Premier League clubs.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, just before we move on, I'd like to ask you about Romain because he's moved out to Norway now. It didn't, didn't quite work out for him at Malmo. Uh, at the moment anyway to, to to you know for this point in time um there was some fallouts potentially rumored with the, the manager what's your perspective on him as a player because you know he's had a play, maybe not a great of time at Malmö but he really was fantastic at GIF uh we had him in our sort of ten players to watch I, th- I think a couple of years ago or maybe even last season but yeah you know we've, we've hi- highlighted him quite a few times on the podcast what's your perspective on him and his his um ceiling and where he can go from here you know with being annoying Noina.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Romaine obviously proved when he was at Soons ball, um, that he's a goal scorer and an effective goal scorer. And when he first went to Malmo, uh, when he was, I think he was a leading scorer or top two leading goal scorers in Allsvenskan at that time during that transfer, he continued uh, the goal scoring. Uh, Romaine is a is a player that can be not busy throughout 90 minutes and then and then strike a ball on the upper shelf out of nowhere and win you a game and you know it's a question that i've thought about quite often okay why is romaine maybe not getting a chance at, at mama why didn't it work out well maybe you know with the depth that they have they want someone that's extremely busy uh putting in a certain type of work rate for 90 minutes and um that 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 can that can be the case at a place like But mm-hmm. I, I got full confidence if you give the guy 90 minutes he's going to be a dangerous player even if you think uh he's not doing much within 90 minutes i think he's proven that um uh, himself as a player yeah i think the starbuck i think the starbuck uh loan form will be very good i think he'll feel comfortable there and i think he'll uh be a dangerous attacking player in the league definitely this season
1: yeah, I agree with you, and I've I've told uh, our co-host who covers Norway, Steve, that uh, it's a good move, I think, to Norway for, for Romain, and, and you mentioned there you can do nothing and then can pull out something out of the bag. I remember a goal he scored against EF Göteborg, which was fantastic, uh, at 4 Malmo. Didn't really seem to work out with him and Uwe Rosler for some reason, but uh, yeah, I think I agree with you there, one, one to watch for sure. Um, so thank you for your perspective on that. Um, let's move on to... You just mentioned there about recruitment in Africa. I mean, we'll, we'll round it off shortly. Um, appreciate your time, of course, joining us. It's really good. Um, and I want to talk about the Super Eton a little bit. But you mentioned there, before we do move on to that... Um, well, actually, no, let's let's talk about the Super You know, what, what are the expectations of U- Umea this season? That's a better place to start, I think. Um, what, what are the expectations this season? What are you looking to do? You were at Nigel as head coach for two seasons... Uh, for two years, sorry, um, from 2017. What are the aims for Umea this season realistically is it just about staying up or is it about you know maybe even pushing for you know back-to-back promotions or what what is the ambitions and perspectives and just tell us a little bit about your squad as well you know maybe who to who to watch out for who have you got expectations on how has it been um during this pandemic you know putting the new squad together as manager all that kind of thing yeah
2: I think I think from the any new promoted club um they, they need to establish themselves in a new league. And I think that, that from a club's perspective, that that that's the goal. And to be ambitious and to continue the progress from a footballing side, from a financial side, from a club side. And, and it's a bit of a project that way. Sure. Um, from a personal standpoint, I'm very ambitious. I go into each game being aggressive. Uh, whether that's smart or not (laughs) that that we can talk about that but uh i I try to win yeah three points uh each game and i and i think that mindset has been reflective to my players that's something that i have tried to implement since i got here in january with these guys and uh they shown that that first game yeah Um,
1: just let me sorry just let me interrupt you on that um i just want to ask a question related to that because that is very interesting um when you say you want to win and you know you it sounds like you're a very ambitious manager like you said how do you find players that suit that philosophy you know how do you get a group of players that really want to win and um, that's just one thing i want to ask you there you know like for example when you're recruiting how do you make sure that you've got players that also have that mindset of you because you know it can be difficult maybe to identify those kind of players until you work with them um, right how do you go about instilling that winning mentality um before you move, before you move on, finish the answer to the other I, I,
2: I think you have to have four to five cultural influencers of players on your team Hmm. that are highly ambitious, that are winners, that bring it daily. And I think that kind of sets the tone. I think you need to put them in a certain type of environment where they hate to lose, where it's competitive. And I think the rest of the group uh, conforms, conforms to that those four or five cultural influencers with the leadership of the coach. Sure. And that's something that we've tried to uh, implement this year. And it's also doing your due diligence with uh, recruitment, kind of seeing how the person is, kind of looking at the player. Okay, is he has he been uh, a part of a team that's been relegated uh, two out of two seasons? Well, that's something that you really have to consider. Is he part of a losing environment? Does he have a losing mindset? And then you look at guys' careers who have been winners. So you do a little bit of both. It's a little bit of your own responsibility of setting the environment and culture uh, daily and uh, making sure you have the right leaders and the the right environment uh, within your team.
1: And as a manager, how do you set that culture as well?
2: Uh, You put demands. You put demands uh, physically. um, You put demands tactically. Um, and, and you're constantly challenging the group and you're making them very uncomfortable daily and hopefully, and you know, if you ask my players, one of the things I always talked about, talk about is you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable and that's what separates good from great in my opinion.
1: Fascinating perspective, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's interesting insight there. Um, you mentioned, yeah, that you, you want to win and you want to establish yourself at Umea, kind of, and the club, you know, within the Superettan. Let's talk about Superettan in general, because yeah, you know, who do you think will be the main challenges for the league this season to go up? Uh, who, and have you had a chance to sort of really understand the league um, just from your own knowledge, generally, or watching games, that kind of thing? Who, for those who maybe don't listening to this podcast who don't maybe watch the Super Wrestling as much um, what is the standard of the league who are you expecting to perform well and are there any players as well to keep an eye for both that uh, Umea and in general in the league
2: I I think it's it's a very good league I think it's a great uh, second division in Europe I think it's competitive um, and I think that's reflective on you see the transfers from players going into big leagues, into big teams uh, from Superetta, uh, especially the last few years. Um, obviously, Braga is one of the one of the favorites. They had a good season last year. Um, I like Dage Force right now. I watched them uh, yesterday versus mm. Braga, and Young Shopping Sodra I think is an interesting team. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a compared to where I'm coming from. I think it's a little bit more physical. I think it's a little bit more direct um and it's a little bit quicker obviously um but i, I think the league's good um uh, in my experience playing super retin teams and all Svenska teams in the past with whether they're cups or friendlies um yeah you get a you get a feel on it but you never really get a a proper feel until you know we started on tuesday and um but yeah it's a good league
1: so there, you Johan Shopping, and uh, yeah, a few other and Ike Braga, you've said there. Um, yeah, yeah. Are there any Are there any players to look out for? And the other thing I wanted to say on that is, you know, you mentioned that you've been doing a lot of recruitment, say in different before you moved to to uh, to Sweden. You know, you mentioned you were sort of looking at players in different countries and that kind of thing. Um, how do you identify talent yourself, and how how is the recruitment set up at, at Umea? You know, how, what do you look for in a player, for example? I know you just mentioned there the winning mentality, making them uncomfortable. Um, what else do you look for, and is there any players in the league um, that you've seen already? Or you know, you mentioned there, for example, the Gibson forward. And is there any other players that we should keep an eye out for?
2: Yeah, I think it, you know we have certain traits on each position um, that we look for in players. Or me personally, one thing that I do like is guys that can get out of pressure. Um, that, that's a that's a really big trait that I would like most of my players to have, especially guys playing out of the back. Uh, I think uh, we work a lot of times on different type of rotations to get out of pressure. Mm. So teams can't do that against us. We want teams to pressure us. Uh, I think the hardest thing in football, especially you see it a lot in Scandinavia, it's these mid to low blocks with not too much space that are very organized, and we want guys that, um, you know, that can break those things down. Um, in terms of what was the other question? Sorry.
1: Just any players to, you know, you just mentioned there the, the, the attributes that you like, uh, and obviously you've worked in scouting before, like you said, in different countries. Um, are there any players that you've seen so far in this league uh, that you like that we should look out for, maybe, um, or, or even at your own club that we should, you know, keep an eye out for? Yeah, uh,
2: Victor Edwardson. Uh, he was in Division 1 Nora last year uh, with Carlstead BK. He was with Daggett Force. Uh, good player. Uh, powerful forward slash winger um, had a great game yesterday. Uh, involved in I think all four goals in their force four one victory over uh, Braga. Uh, two goals, to assist, if I'm not mistaken. So that's one to keep an eye out for. Mm. If Christian Christian Quaku at Braga, yeah. uh, former player of mine, at New Shopping uh, was at, at a rumor to uh, a few different clubs this past window uh, scored quite a good number of goals last season he's, he's an exciting player and I expect him to have uh, another big year um, who else uh, you have uh, Mustafa Zaydan um, on the young shopping Sadra uh, from Frey had a chance to watch him at Frey uh, smaller uh, central midfielder uh, busy can drive unlock uh, opponents so I think uh as well as I touch base on Pontus as well and uh Sonswell. So I think those are a few guys that uh might have very good uh 2020 seasons.
1: Fantastic. We'll keep an eye out for them. Uh, thank you so much. And the uh, fin- final question um for you Brian just on the you know your own your own your own background. Um you didn't have a I don't believe a professional playing career. Is that, is that correct? Yeah.
2: No, yeah, so, I started coaching very
1: young. Yeah. So, so someone who um you know comes from that background you know what advice would you give to maybe you, you know you've 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 been so successful to get to this point to get to Super Retin, you know um, without that kind of traditional maybe pathway that others have the um, maybe advantage of so you you must have worked extremely hard to get to where you are today what advice do you have for um, you know people who maybe want to go into coaching or, or want to experience different environments uh, coaching abroad uh, for, you know, for people like that, what what advice do you have? Um, and even, you know, from the perspective of language, like, you know, is it difficult? Have you learned the Swedish language? Has it been hard to do that? Just maybe give us a little bit of perspectives about that, you know, your life in general um, abroad and that kind of thing, and any advice that you might have for maybe people who want to do similar in the future?
2: Yeah, I think um, that's a good question. You, you know, if you're not a big-name player, and uh, especially, you know, speaking about myself 34 years years old american um you have to be that much much better Mm. you have to be that much better you have to work that much harder you got to be obsessed with the game you have to dedicate yourself to to this life and you have to really be that much better to to have a career in it and that's something that i think about daily it's a chip on my shoulder um and i uh it's it's constantly in the back of my mind so some people can look at it as a nuisance I look at it as constant motivation Um, so I think that's first and foremost and you got to be willing to sacrifice your life for it I haven't been to any weddings you don't see your family you know you eat uh, you eat and breathe football. Mm. And, uh, that, that's, that's what I do all day. I watch video. I study opponents. I study trends. I go back into Y-Scout. I look at different types of teams and non-stop. Um, and that's also a weakness of mine because you can kind of get into this bubble. <laughs> but, um, you need to do that in order to, to push yourself and to get and to get to the level where you want to be. Um, in terms of lifestyle um, and language barrier, you know, I think in one advantage in Scandinavia is that a lot of teams use English within the locker room. Mm, yeah. We spoke about we spoke about earlier with the work permit situation. I think we have nine guys from outside Sweden on our team, so if you didn't speak English, you would have uh, you would have difficulties in our locker room. Um, I've, I haven't had uh, too much time to learn the Swedish language. I'm okay at it. Uh, it's it's a little bit embarrassing. I should be better with the time I've spent here. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you get through it. I think if you were in Germany, it would be a different story. I know Jesse Marsh, uh, who's at Salzburg, who was at Leipzig, you know, he learned German because that was uh, part of their, their, that's how it works there. Um, so I've been fortunate to not to be able to be in Scandinavia and to get through with the English language, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic and um you really make some interesting point compelling points there as well. And, you know, you've got such a you have such a successful career to date, I think we'll be keeping an eye out for you. You know, you may you know, you may have a bright future in the game. So um, you know, that that dedication is clearly paying off. Um, so, Brian Cloughout, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast. Appreciate your time uh, and best of luck for the new season. Thanks for telling us everything about uh, the Super Etten and also your, um, your time in the, in the game to date.
2: Thanks a lot, Jonathan. My pleasure. Anytime.
1: Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast, to part two of this episode. We're reviewing and recapping the first few rounds, well, the first round in Norway and the first two rounds in Sweden. And yeah. yeah, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian Glaher. I think he's a very up and coming young manager. I think he's, you know, really enjoyed his insights. I think he's got, a, he's one to watch in the future, in my opinion. I think he could go places uh, and it was really good to get his insights. I hope you enjoyed it. And obviously, please give us your feedback if you did. And if there's any other guests that you think we should have on, then do let us know. We're going to move on now. That's everything you need to know about the opening round of the Super Eton, And we've talked about CrossFenceGan. Now it's over to you, Steve. Let's talk about some Norwegian football and... Both of us, we were together, weren't we? I mean, not physically, but we were together watching. Uh, it was still a lockdown. Don't worry, don't report us to Matt Hancock. But we, yeah, we were watching as uh, the <laughs> first game on Eurosport took place on live on UK TV. Elite Syrian football is on British shores. Uh, how was it for you, Steve?
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, it is on uh, Eurosport uh, UK, and I have to say, in the build-up to it, I could actually hardly believe it when it came up it was like hairs were rising up on the back of my neck just seeing the uh, color line stadion what, what a great location to, for the first match the snow-capped mountains <laughs> the tranquil fjord of of all and, and the sun was shining and it, it, what a setting and you got commentators who are pronouncing players that i don't have a clue um but you Did know, th- in your eyes was, t- was there a tear in your oh, eye well there was a I, the, yeah i was uh, not to that extent but i was um, <laughs> it was quite a surreal moment seeing it on, on UK TV. I must say long may it continue, but, um, I mean, it's not going to, is it? <laughs> you, you never know the more that watch it. I've had a few people come to me and say, you know what? I watched the, the matches and I quite liked it. So hopefully we can, um, keep it up. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was obviously, I was very excited and, uh, it's been an interesting first round. No, away, no home wins yet. Five away wins. Um, and, uh, you know, whether that's, uh, a big trend going forward I don't know let's wait and see. it seems to be something that's happened uh, during these uh, lockdown uh, matches so far but uh, yeah, glad to be back.
1: Well, I think the only place to start really is is with the champions. they were the first game on uh, we both watched it i I uh, have to say I enjoyed the game and like you it was quite severe wasn't it, really watching uh, uh, you know our leagues on, on I just wish they had Swedish football as well but you know um, what Norwegian will do for now and I suppose the more we give it coverage, you never know. Maybe we've had a small, small part to play in uh, spreading the the word of, of, of Norwegian football. But uh, so you're doing it. You're doing. You're doing good work there, Steve. You're doing good work. But um, the first place to start is obviously the Champions Moulder. They took on Arleson, newly promoted. We had one of their players on the um, Norway season preview podcast, which you can still listen to. Twitter at Nordic Get Meet Man Sockers. Uh, one to sixteen is, is is tips for every single league position and ten players to watch. You can still listen back to that on iTunes, Spotify wherever you get your podcast. But, uh, you know, the opening game of the season was quite a spectacle, wasn't it? And um, I guess it went in the direction that you thought it might go, 4-1 win for Molde.
0: Yeah, it was a good watch, wasn't it? I think both teams are good on the eye. Olesund were not nowhere near as bad as the 4-1 suggests. They were well in the game. Missed a penalty uh, as well, which, I mean, maybe that was was crucial for them. but first half, I think Olesund had the better of the first half. Second half, Molde just came out more intent um a slight tactical tweak and uh, and they they showed their class in the second half but the, the the dark cloud over the wind was lucky james being sent off so he's suspended for the Rosenborg match at the weekend but yeah the the champions i said didn't i in the preview they're going to bulldoze their way uh score so many goals uh, and to be fair allison probably should have had at least one more goal shouldn't they so it might be four two i expect quite a similar sort of score line in a lot of molder matches this year they'll score loads but they'll concede a few as well but a good match and a good watch. Um Molde just showed their attacking class, didn't
1: they? Now, your Surrey and fantasy videos on YouTube, and Nordic Football Podcast YouTube, I have to give you a shout-out because they are epic. Um, really fantastic. I have to give you some praise for that. But uh, two of the players that you've been quite, you know, big on, Lecky James and uh, Nicolas Castro, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the best of days for fantasy players, was it, necessarily? That, that, that no. opening? I mean, he was my captain, so uh, I'm blaming you for that one fully but uh, my captain. Best of games wasn't for those two players.
0: He was my captain as well and I'm sure along with thousands of others uh, Castro was uh, disappointed disappointing in terms of a fantasy output missing the penalty um but he was you could tell he was dangerous all over the park his movement was really good and he's going to cause all sorts of issues in in this league for sides uh, incredibly good technically a shout out to uh, Simon Nordley as well who scored a spectacular goal from a halfway line I know quite a few people have been uh, bigging him up ahead of the season. Um, I mean, I didn't know that much, too much about him. I've not watched him in the O League again, but he looks a classy player. And, you know, I think all of a sudden we're unlucky. Um, at the bottom of the table at the moment, they're, uh, there was a lot of encouraging signs, look to play football in a positive way. And I think they'll do just fine for themselves. They've got a lot of ability. So, yeah, good match.
1: Yeah, and it was great to see um, Arlisson back, you know, as I mentioned in the interview with their central defender. And from my point of view, like, like you say, I think they did quite well in the early stages of the game. I think the moment for me when I was like, "Wow, this really is on live TV in the UK on HD uh, on my big screen," was uh, when Magnus Wolf Icom, who we've talked about, you know, for so many years on this podcast. I remember um, we had a we, didn't we have an episode called "The Wolf of the Wolf of Eichmann or something like that. I yeah. can't remember,
0: but we did, yeah.
1: One of the earliest ever episodes was a, a, a player focus on him when he was, I think he was, at Mo, I think he was at Mama at the time. Um, and it was weird when he scored that goal. I was like, "Wow, this is really, this is really happening," <laughs> you know, uh, on HD on an HD screen. But um yeah, I think Malden Mo- Mo- did quite well. But there's a big game coming up, isn't there, for them next? Uh, and that is against Rosenborg, the other big boys of the league. Potentially, you know, you might you might argue, but you were not too impressed with their upcoming opponents, were you, Rosenborg?
0: No, I wasn't. I was. They, they drew Uh, nil-nil at home to to christiansen and i highlighted in one of the videos i did um on the uh season preview for Rosenborg. they've actually got quite a tough start fixture wise but this was by far the easiest one on paper christiansen at home um really in my mind i'm thinking it's a a bank of three points you know um even if i don't rate Rosenborg sometimes under iric cornerland this was a match they were always going to win but they were horrible in that game jonathan they um very much labored to, uh, to to the to the to the draw and i mean expected goals was 1.03 for Rosenborg against 0.53 for christiansen uh, taken from white scout our partners and um i mean effectively two of those registrations for Rosenborg were were just two big chances in the game they, they didn't really create much throughout in the second half they just offered nothing it was like as soon as samuel adegbeno and Hen Power and Dre Helland run out of steam. They were, um, they, they just had no ideas. Uh, I was impressed with the young lad uh, Tagseth in the midfield. He looks one to watch. A real sort of shuttler, a midfield shuttler there. Um, he's got bundles of energy and he actually had a bit of enthusiasm. Um, and he looks like a good player. I think he could be a sort of a, a ray of light for them. But um, very worrying. They were They were time-wasting in the last 20 minutes. They were not even looking to get on with the game. I mean, in Christiansen actually outplayed him in the second half and had a really good tactical game plan. A shout out to them, by the way. I always underestimate them, don't I? I say this every season. They continue to get great results and performances um, despite a lack of resources and players. But um, yeah, Christiansen could have easily won that in the second half. Rosenborg is very disappointing. I mean, he, they just didn't show any intent. And I think under Eric Hornerland, it's never going to, I really, I mean, I'm not sure it's going to work out. I'm not saying he's a bad coach by any means, but I just don't think him and Rosenborg were a good fit together, I'm afraid. And um, I'm very concerned about that. If that continues, I said pre season, they're going to fail to break down some sides in, in certain games. I certainly didn't expect it at home against Christian though.
1: Yeah, and for those who don't know, Edvard Tagseth, he's a 19 year old player in the midfield there, so keep an eye out for him. Meet um, Man Soccer of seed of Approval. He talks about the manager a fair amount in previous shows. You, you, to be honest, you've you kind of highlighted that many times it doesn't you know maybe it looks like it is um you know you might you might be right on that one it's, it's not looking good for him how were um islamovic and adik benro because adik benro we remember him you know downing ajax at one point and uh, a player that i you know we i think we had discussions that he would go on at some point potentially still only 24 but how's he been because he's had an injury hasn't he and then uh, how was dino islamovic former
0: uh osterson's man how was his debut I thought Samuel had a reasonably good first half. He looked like the, the player most likely to make something happen for Rosenborg on that left-hand side. He made a few darting darting runs. I think the final ball was lacking from him. He's a bit too greedy sometimes. He tries to score that goal himself, which, is, I mean, it has come off historically, but he needs to look up sometimes a little bit more and get a pass in there to the middle. Islamovic was a, a lone, lonesome figure at times. Um, the 4-3-3 system they use he just felt too isolated. There wasn't enough support runners from midfield. The wingers were very wide, apart from the times when adding Benro does come inside a little bit. Um, so it's like he was fighting a lot of the Christiansen defense by himself, and he wasn't getting the right sort of service either. So I, 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 it's hard to criticise Islamovic too much, but if you're going to play that sort of system, you need a bit more from a more more than just a target man striker, don't you? Um, You know the system's all wrong there's not enough support there not enough intensity um you know and just everything about it against that sort of opposition they're gonna have problems breaking down teams uh, like that who and christians are not even what you'd call part of the bus they're just sort of good discipline and then decent on the counter attack
1: putting on the spot then uh, looking forward to the the weekend's games and the game uh, the next game uh more the rosenberg prediction
0: well, I'm gonna say Mulder three Rosenborg one. Um I would be even more confident if Lucky James was available. Um but I mean Rosenborg they've got a score against Mulder's, Mulder's defence. Mulder are really wide open. I think Rosenborg can get a goal somewhere on the break. But I think Mulder have just got a bit more about them. They've got the better quality squad. More a squad that seems more hungry and motivated than behind the manager.
1: Simple as that. More motivated and more hungry is the meatland soccer verdict. So yeah, Mulder. Uh, looking good as the season has started and maybe they're going to be the team to beat again this year. One other team, who the only other team in fact, who won by more than a one-goal margin uh, and that was Buda Glimt with a, a 4-2 uh, victory. So, you know, you have them been quite low down in the predicted table, um, but they won 4-2 at Viking.
0: Yeah, it's a wild game. This was Viking led two on a half-time I mean, to be honest, based on that first match, I might have underestimated Buda Glimp, to be honest. They looked the better side. They looked really physically fresh, well-drilled, well-trained, and they lasted the 90 minutes where I was leaking tired a bit. Um, I mean, Buda Glimp, that is just continued to... They picked up where they left off last season, really. So attack-minded, really well-drilled. Jens Pettaharga had a good game. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about him moving to a Belgian club, circle, Bruges. Um, no one really sh- sure exactly when it's going to happen though some say in the end of july i mean usually players when they know they're going to move are not included in the squad are they or even if they're included they get very moody and they don't really play that well but he was just right up for it properly motivated very professional performance from him uh, i was also quite impressed by Sondre fett's debut debut for they if signed him from orlesund and um he just looked a real nuisance sort of he was all over the park, really. I mean, you can't even give him a proper position. He can play anywhere in that attacking third. But a typical sort of Buda Glimp player, um, you know, making a right nuisance of himself, pacey, quick technical. They look good. And, you know, if they keep playing like that, they'll get in the top five again. Uh, I may well have underestimated them, to be honest, uh, Jonathan. They're just uh, really well coached.
1: Yeah, I like Buda Glimp and uh, I continue to like what they do. Of course, we interviewed Azman and Bjorken, so... Maybe I'm biased there because I I was really impressed with him and his, you know, his overall views on the club and their setup. So, you know, I I must admit that uh, I was surprised they had them quite low down there. But long way to go in the season yet. No point, um, you know, you could end up being right. There's no point. It's too early to tell, really, isn't it? But sounds like they look good. Were there any results elsewhere that caught your eye, Steve? Was anything else? Any other team that maybe um, you want to give a mention to?
0: I think the two newly promoted sides uh, surprised me. Sandefjord beat Odd 2-1 away, and Start drew at home to uh, Strom's good set. Um, I mean, S- Sanderfjord, I mean, I can't believe that they got to odd and actually, actually win, but um, a really big shout-out to Marty Sifuentes, the Spanish coach, who uh, he had a great tactical game plan. He restricted odd really well. I mean, it looked like he was going to be nil-nil, and that would have been a fair result, I think, for the, for the match. But uh, he made a substitution, the Brazilian Zer Eduardo. I mentioned him in the season preview podcast. He comes on, from a, uh, And they've got a corner, uh, attacking corner. And he scores with a header. His first touch literally came on. He must have scored about five seconds after coming on the field. It's unbelievable. It's like Odd oh, obviously just went to sleep completely and didn't pick him up. And the goalkeeper maybe should have saved it. But really good tactical game plan. They actually look quite like they might not be easy to score on. They're going to be um, difficult to break down. And they're going to try and be competitive that way. I mean, with the tools he's got to work with, it's a sensational performance from Marty Ifwent. It's very disappointing from Odd. They didn't look at the races at all. They look like there's definitely turmoil there with Turgil Bourbon, who's his head's in the clouds a bit. He scored a penalty, but he's moving on probably to Rosenborg or somewhere else. They don't look right, Odd. Uh, I was a bit worried by them. And Starts had a very good performance against Drums Godset. So, hey, you can't underestimate these promoted sides, can you? They always seem to have a bit of momentum about them.
1: Yeah, I think there's been, you know, you mentioned that Togo Boven and it looks like you said he is indeed off. Um, big rumours with, with Rosenberg. Are you worried at all about Odd this season, Steve? Because they you know, they finished quite well last year, but are you worried about them?
0: I, I am worried about them after seeing that performance. They should be, hands down, better than Sanderfield and easily winning that game. Uh, but they looked tired. They didn't look uh, focused enough. Um, and they're using the same formation as last season, but I think they're a bit old as well. The squad's very old and that may well be a big problem as the season develops. I mean, that back four—it's all over thirty. Um, there's not that many fresh legs apart from the young lad Biertuff who, who started. I mean, Marcus Cors is a nice player. Uh, Ng's not a bad lad. They missed Elba Rashani on the right wing—that's a big loss. We must say that. Probably missed their best player outside Bourbon. So, um, you yeah, know, it's not all doom and gloom for Odd, but that is a very worrying—not just the result, but the performance. In that, they just didn't really look like ever winning that match. In a, in a game, they massive favourites for. So I am a bit concerned about Ardon, based on that. I've got to be honest.
1: Interesting stuff. And then we'll, you know, we'll we we'll end it on a on a positive uh, result. That was uh, a win for Wallerenga, who you you know you've got high hopes for this season.
0: It was a it was an awful game actually. Um, uh, funny enough, I was watching this game. and There was a big thunderstorm in, near my house, and uh, I lost signal for about twenty minutes. I wait all my life for um, for the Syrian football on TV, and then the signal goes for twenty minutes due to a thunderstorm up in Yorkshire. You, you know, you can't write that script, can you? But it was an awful game, really boring. But that's what Faguerma is going to bring to Valourengras. With in the season preview, he's going to make them much more solid. Um, but I do want to end the podcast on a on a very good note, and that is. Uh, uh, it was what, it was fantastic to see Ali Ahamada <laughs> on Eurosport HD starting for Brand against the uh, Underway, and he started life with a victory, a 2-1 uh, last minute winner for Brand uh, against Haugusson, so uh, congratulations to them, congratulations to Ali Ahamada, who is a real legend I loved him when he was in French football with Toulouse and I did say on a tweet I want to get him on this podcast for an interview it's one of my ambitions, so if you are listening, Ali, your invitation is there, my friend. Anytime, any place.
1: Well, I do think that it's probably about uh, even's chance that by the end of this season, we are renamed the Ali Armada Football Podcast uh, because such is the mutual admiration for that man. So, yeah, we both have fond memories of him from our time in French football, and um, he will always be welcome, as you said there. So um, let's wrap it up there. I think we've given the predictions for Molder. Rosenborg, that is the big game in Norway uh, this weekend. We're going to come back next week with uh, recaps. We're going to have maybe more of a team in focus on the next pod. Uh, maybe some players in focus as well and after three, two, three games. We'll we'll have a bit more perspective on, on all the teams. So um, thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the interviews. I hope you've enjoyed the, the show. And don't forget, if you want more of us, we've got a good three hours at least on the season preview podcast for you to tuck into with every single team. Um, in both leagues reviewed and analysed so enjoy that if you haven't already uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon you can follow us on Twitter at Nordic NordicFootPod or at Neatman Soccer for Steve or at JFFootball for myself J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L and of course we're on Facebook and Patreon as well if you uh, want to get involved so thanks a lot for listening we'll be back soon enjoy your weekend of games goodbye
0: thank you very much for listening everyone take care see you very soon soon. Goodbye.